Morning, guys. Thank you, thank you. I'll be preaching for the first three minutes. <laughs> no, I just want to share testimony. So I've got some um, cousins from my mother's side. My mother's sister's children, around my age. One's a little bit younger, 40-odd, and the other one's 50-odd. And um, their father has been staying with him for a while. And he's, they phoned me in the week and said, you know, he's, he's, he's busy dying. And he's very weak, and his heart is getting weaker and weaker every day. And so yesterday I showered and got into the Word a bit and prayed, and I wanted to just really go and speak to him about Jesus and about salvation and um, before he dies. And he's on his way out. And about 30 years ago, he, uh, he divorced my aunt, and, um, and he married a woman that's Muslim, and he became a Muslim. So he was, for the last 30 years, he's been under Islamic domination and authority, and uh, I remember as a, as a kid, what a wonderful, what a wonderful uncle he was. Such a wonderful, such a beautiful man. And so I went there and I really prayed up before the time and asked the Lord to soften his heart. And I went to him and I, we sat down, I bought him some chocolates and some juice. And uh, I was sitting with the family and just talking to him a little bit and asked if I could pray with him. And um, afterwards I preached the gospel to him and I told him about, you know, Jesus and the forgiveness of sins and and my cousin spoke to him a little bit, and then, and together, we, we really preached like a hardcore message to him, telling him about heaven and hell and where he's going to spend all eternity. I said to him, Uncle Jenny, if you don't turn to Jesus, you know. But afterwards, he looked at me and says, when can we pray? And uh, so I prayed, and we led him to the Lord, and he received Jesus as his Lord and his Savior right there. Oh. Mm. So that was, that was after 30 years of, of, being, a, of being a Muslim. And um, this morning I was reminded, the Lord reminded me that the teachings that we have been getting lately by, you know, by Lucas, that it's not just for us to listen to them and, and, and to feel good or to have knowledge, but the Lord is wanting to equip us. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 it says that the Lord has given gifts to the body of Christ. Um, prophets sorry, uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And even as Lucas has been shepherding us and teaching us over the last while, as for the equipping, it says in the word, for the saints. Equipping the saints for the works of the ministry. And I wanted to remind us that the Lord is equipping us, not just giving us knowledge, head knowledge, but he's equipping us for works of the ministry, to preach the gospel, to tell people about Jesus, Ministry in the church, but also where you work and where you go to school and college. That you will, that which you hear, as Lucas has been speaking by the Holy Spirit, about salvation, about God's grace, His mercy, His kindness, but also the judgment that's going to come. He's been, the Lord has been equipping us to take that message into the world. Amen? I'm encouraged that we will all go and we will do that at different times as you see, as you see fit. I must say, I wasn't feeling all powerful in preaching, but I knew I just had to tell him the gospel, and the power is in the gospel. It says in Romans 1.16 that the power is in the gospel as we preach it. Okay, amen. Thanks. Love you, man. Thank you. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would come now. 
thank you so much for JP and Dan and for Joy and for Declan and Tanya and Annie and Bjorn, all who have just opened themselves up to be used by you this morning. And Lord, I open myself up and I ask you, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you, would you build up your church this morning? Let it be all you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been looking uh, as a church. Good morning. Sorry, just I haven't said good morning. Um, and uh, it's so lovely to have all of you here. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, I know some of you came to the wrong service by mistake, but you're definitely at the right one. Um, we've been talking about how Jesus came, sent by God, and he was born and he grew up, and he started his ministry, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he started to preach the gospel that Declan's talking about, the good news, that we can repent of our sins, and we can turn back to God, and we can be forgiven of our sins. And then we started to read in Romans chapter 7 about the fact that even though we belong to God, and even though we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we also have another part of us which is called the sinful nature. Say the sinful nature. And the sinful nature is hostile to God. It's, it's fighting against the Holy Spirit. And it wants to take advantage of us. It wants to take the law of God and condemn us with it and pull us down. And we looked in Romans chapter, at the end of chapter 7, the Apostle Paul says, What a wretched man I am. What a miserable man I am. Though I, I agree with God, I agree with his, his, his word and His law, yet I find within me that I keep on doing what is wrong. He says, Who will free me from this body of death? And then he says, Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Romans chapter 8 starts, and it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those of you who belong to Christ Jesus. But why? Because God did what we could not do. He accomplished through Jesus Christ the whole purpose of the law. Jesus lived a perfect life, and He died, and He paid the price, the penalty, the wages of our sin on the cross. And we know that. And then the Bible says that those of us who belong to Him, those of us who are now united with Christ, who believe in Him, those of us who have faith in Christ, we have no longer any obligation to follow the urges or the desires of our sinful nature. But that by the power of the Spirit, we can overcome in this life. And this morning, I want to get super practical. I want to teach you how do you follow the Holy Spirit and how do we overcome? Is that okay? The practical part of it. How? Romans chapter 8 verse 5 to 6. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about, say think about, Sinful things. 
But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about, say think about, things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind, say control your mind, leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind, say control your mind, leads to life and peace. If you want to follow Jesus, if you want to follow the Holy Spirit, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and controlled by the Holy Spirit, then you need to give Him your mind. The focus is the mind. It's what we think about. So how? How do we let the Holy Spirit control our mind? Well, the Bible speaks a lot about a concept called sowing and reaping. And I'm going to read to you Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 as a starter. And it says, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. So God has put a principle in place that whatever somebody sows, they will also reap that same thing. The Bible speaks about for those who sow to their sinful nature, they will from that nature reap. Corruption, de decay, and death. But those who sow to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap life and peace. There is a principle that God has put in place. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Oh my goodness, I didn't even realize it was the next scripture. <laughs> so, sorry. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. It's a promise. It's a principle. It's something that the Lord has established for us, which is that what we sow, we will definitely reap. In Matthew chapter 13, the Lord Jesus teaches in many ways that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is like sowing and reaping. He starts off by teaching the parable of the sower and the seed and the different types of soil. And I'm not going to go into it now, but verse 8 says, other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And verse 23, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, another sixty, and another thirty. I'm going to go into so much detail in it, I'm not even going to go into it now. But Jesus teaches the principle that our hearts are like soil and the word of God is like seed. And if we plant it well in good soil, it will reap a harvest. 
30, 60, and 100 fold. He also gives you a clue about what's coming because he says, the one, the seed that's planted in good soil is the person who hears the word and understands it, and then something happens. Okay. He goes on to talk about the kingdom of heaven. It's like a mustard seed, a tiny little seed that's planted in the earth, and it grows up and it becomes a huge tree. He talks about, just next in verse 24, he talks about good and bad seed that is sown and goes into the earth and it grows up and some of it becomes wheat that is gathered into the barn and some of it becomes weeds which are cut down and gathered and burnt in the fire. Jesus also talks about the kingdom of heaven is like dough, bread dough. And somebody puts yeast into it. He sows yeast into the dough. And the yeast begins to permeate through the whole dough and and to take over the whole dough. So the kingdom of heaven is all about sowing and reaping. Are we together so far? Darren, what is the kingdom of heaven like? Perfect. It could be you next. I need some volunteers, please, who have loud voices and who are very brave. Just put up your hand. Come, Mike. Declan, thank you. Yes, Brett, thank you. Austin, thank you. Um, One more, please. Bjorn, thank you. (laughs) Okay, could I ask you to stand on stage, please, Mike, there? On stage, everybody, please. Bjorn, I'm not waiting. Run. You're a sportsman after all. Go over there on that side of Austin. Thank you. Okay. So I'm going to give you each a name. Okay. Mike, think. Think. There we go. Declan, believe. Okay. Brett, feel. You can take your mask off. Social distance is fine. Austin, Act. And beyond everything. We can't hear you. Can I have another volunteer, please? Joel, come up. Beyond, thank you. You can take your seat again. Joel, everything. Everything. Here we go. Okay. There is a process, and there's a reason why we've got these guys here, and you guys need to listen as well. Okay? Don't just think about your think. There is a process of how we follow the Holy Spirit and how we sow stuff into our lives that will then reap a destiny. The beginning of the process is what we think. That was beautiful. (laughs) And once we... but, But how many of you know, in order to think, you have to think about something. You can't think nothing. There's content, there's information, there's data, there's there's knowledge 
that must be thought about. Are you with me? Once you have thought about something, you then have a choice whether to believe, believe it or not believe it. But you cannot believe something that you don't know about. You have to start with knowledge. And then you can choose to believe it. Are we still together? Another word for believe is faith. Faith is such a complicated thing. The Bible creates this beautiful um, definition of faith. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm like... Oh my goodness, that's amazing. I still have no idea what faith is. And so simply faith is believing something. If I believe in this chair that it is strong enough to carry me, then I will sit on it. Faith is believing something about the chair. It's that simple. Faith is not a spiritual, it's a very simple thing. If you're going to believe something, you have to first know it. Are we together? I can put the chair down. Okay. The next thing that happens is once we believe something, the result of believing something is a certain kind of feeling. If I really believe something, I will Feel a certain way. Are we together? And once I feel something, I will start to act a certain way. By the way, this is Austin. That's Jenna, his new wife. This is their first Sunday back from honeymoon. Welcome back, guys. And once we act a certain way, it impacts and it changes everything. Are we together? We understand that process. Okay, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to invite you guys to sit down uh, uh, on your seats. <clears throat> I was thinking about whether to keep them up there. But you've got it, Right? Okay, it starts by thinking. And so what we do is we sow information, knowledge, into our mind. We reap faith. We reap believing it, which results in a certain amount of hope and joy and peace and love and enthusiasm, which feeling then makes us Act a certain way, which is called obedience. Because I believe something about God, I obey Him. And obedience will reap eternal glory for those who have it. In the same way, the devil, who is the father of lies, who is the, the, the king of the powers of the air, of this world, he uses everything he can to make you think less about the things of God and more about the things of the world and the flesh. 
And that makes you believe that you will only, for example, be happy if you have a million bucks. It's a lie. It's a lie. And then because you feel a certain way, you, you act your whole life in order to get that goal. And I'm using the million bucks as an example. It can be if you have a particular boyfriend or girlfriend or wife or husband, or if you have a house or if you have kids or if you have, he can, he can lie that a million things will make you satisfied and happy. And so the the, the whole trajectory of your life is pointed towards that. The problem is you spend your whole life climbing that ladder only to get to the top of it and realize it's against the wrong wall. And so all of your acting is, is gaining for you the wages of that sin, which is eternal separation from God and death. But we don't just reap the rewards of our actions when we die, we also reap them now while we live. And so our lives become filled with darkness and pain and depression and anxiety because we try to get happy, but we can't because we are moving in the wrong direction. The lights are off. And I keep on hitting my shins against the furniture which is scattered everywhere because I can't see. And no matter how fast I run, the more pain I have in my shins because I keep running into the same furniture. Are you with me? Okay. So. Let's start at the beginning. Knowledge. Now, there's a funny thing about the kind of knowledge that we need to get. And that funny thing is, and I want everybody who has already phased out because you think this is going to be long, which it is. Don't worry, we've got weeks ahead of us to finish. Those of you who have phased out, I need you to listen very, very carefully to this bit. The kind of knowledge that we need to get in order to reap the life, in order to put to death the sinful nature, in order to, to overcome in this world, okay? It starts with thinking a certain way. But it's not that simple. Because this kind of thinking we cannot do on our own. This kind of thinking, this kind of knowledge is too great for us in our physical minds and flesh. Without the gift of God, which is the Holy Spirit, it's impossible for us to think correctly. The Bible says that for those who are being saved, the gospel is a fragrance, it's a perfume, it's a beautiful smell leading to life. But for those who don't have the Holy Spirit, who are not chosen by God to understand for those who have ears but they cannot hear. For those who have eyes but they cannot see. That's why Jesus said, if you have ears to hear, hear. What do you mean if we have ears? We all have ears. Spiritual ears. If the Holy Spirit has not opened your eyes to see or given you ears to hear, you will hear everything that I'm saying, the words, but you will never understand the meaning. Let's see that in the Bible. Romans no, John. John chapter 14. 
He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. Even if he was to see him, he wouldn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives within you now. and Sorry, because he lives with you now and later will be in you. This is Jesus teaching his disciples. He says, you can see the Holy Spirit because you can see me. I and the Holy Spirit are one. And we and the Holy Spirit and the Father are one. And so you can see him now because he's with you. But in a few days, he's going to be not only with you, but in you. Okay? But when the Father sends the advocate, verse 26, as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything. And he will remind you of everything I have told you. And so the, the role of the Holy Spirit, this is why we started with Romans chapter 8. Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ, because when we belong to Christ, we have the Holy Spirit living within us. And because of the power of the Spirit, we can overcome the sinful nature. Without the Spirit, we can't even get to the seeing and understanding. We can't even understand the knowledge. And even if we hear the knowledge, we reject it. Are are we together? The Holy Spirit is so important. And that's why, practically speaking, when you wake up in the morning and it's time for your quiet time and you've made your coffee and you've gone to sit in a nice quiet place and you open your Bible, don't just start reading the Bible. Speak to the Holy Spirit first. Say, Holy Spirit, without you, I can read this thing until the cows come home and understand nothing. Holy Spirit, open my eyes so that I can see the beauty of your word, so that I can understand it. So apply it to my heart, Holy Spirit. Give me good soil so that as I sow the word in, you will create fruit in my life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. One Corinthians chapter two verse nine. This is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Okay, I'm gonna pause there. And then we're going to keep reading. This is going to change your life completely, what I'm about to say. There is something that you can know about what God has prepared for you that will so radically change your mind and your heart and your feelings that nothing will ever be the same again. The Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for you. The Bible says, all creation 
is waiting, longing to see what's coming for those who are the children of God. It's so beautiful, so glorious. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, let's keep reading. But it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit. The Holy Spirit has revealed to us what's coming. And I'm going to show you what it is. For His Spirit searches out everything and He shows us God's deep secrets. Isn't that amazing? What the Holy Spirit does? You know, your friend next door, your next door neighbor, what do you call it in the Netherlands, the next door neighbor? You say it loud, I can't hear a thing. Burman. Burman. Beardman. Is that right? We were speaking Dutch at the table yesterday evening. It was so exciting. They, he said, he's, he's Burman. And I thought, okay, he's farmer man. I can't even speak Afrikaans, never mind Dutch. Your neighbor wakes up every morning and he lives in a completely different world to you because he's living in the matrix. He thinks that this life is all there is, this world is all there is, his happiness now is all there is, and that's why he has such a scowl on his face. Because he has no idea. The Holy Spirit has not opened his eyes to see the deep secrets of God. The things that God has prepared for us. Which are coming, which are true, which are not a fairy tale. My little kids, they look, they, they, they read the Disney princesses. And they look at Cinderella. She's got this horrible life with the stepsisters. And, you know, and then this lady comes and boom, turns a pumpkin into a carriage. And, a, and all the little girls in my family, especially Layla at the moment, are like, oh! We have a fairy god who has a prince who came and he died. And he is looking for his bride and his bride is you. And if he picks you, he's coming to take you to live forever in his big castle in the sky. And it's the truth. That's why Disney works in the hearts because God has put his truth in our hearts. Except it's so much better than Cinderella. And we have received God's, wait, the deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given to us. That is why freedom from sin power over the sinful nature. It all starts by allowing the Holy Spirit to control our mind. That means we listen to the Holy Spirit and He speaks the truth from God and it wakens up our spirit. It opens our eyes. It fills us with a certain belief that makes us 
feel it. The reality of it. The joy of it. The excitement of it. The goodness of it. And so we gladly suffer with Him now. Because there is glory coming. When we tell you these things, we don't use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. There's something about the kind of knowledge that we have to fill our mind with, which is, it must be true. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. When whom the Son sets free will be truly, really free. There's something about the knowledge of God, the secrets of God, the, the, the wisdom of God that will radically set you free from thinking the way of the world. And therefore, believing what he does and acting it in the process. The process is a sowing and reaping. Remember that. And so whatever you allow in, you'll get out. There's a principle in business. It's called garbage in, garbage out. And that's how it is. So what knowledge? What knowledge? How? How? What do we need to fill our minds with? Well, the first thing is found in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 9. Let's read it together. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom, or the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love, who brings justice and righteousness to the earth, and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. The first thing that we need to do is we need to get knowledge about the nature and the character of God. The Bible says in Proverbs, get the truth and never sell it. Get wisdom, discipline, get good judgment. In Proverbs chapter 2, it says, My child, listen to what I say. Treasure my commands. Tune your wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight. Ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain the knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the paths of the just and protects those who are faithful to Him. Then 
You will understand what is right and just and fair, and you will find the right way to go. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will fill you with joy. Wise choices will watch over you, and understanding will keep you safe. Young man, young woman, Brit, medium-aged man and woman, Dan and Sam, older, young and woman, I mean, man and woman. We have one starting point. Get an understanding of God. Why? I'm about to say something that you shouldn't forget. Listen to this. If you know God, then you don't need to know what he's doing. I'm going to say it again. Except I'm going to say it the other way around. You don't need to understand what God is doing if you understand who he is. What are you talking about? Sometimes my kids will come to me and they will say, Dad, can I please have some Coca-Cola? Okay, they don't say Coca-Cola, they say Coke. And sometimes I say, yes, this much. Because I know if I don't clarify it, two liters later. And I say yes because I love them. And sometimes it's good for us to have a little bit of a treat. Okay, you don't have to choose Coca-Cola, but... But sometimes when they come to me, I say, no. Go and drink water. Because up until a couple of days ago, it was safer than Coke. (laughs) I want to say at the moment, if you live anywhere in the Western Cape, be careful about drinking tap water, because there's something in it that is making everybody go to the toilet and stuff like that. I don't know what it is. Boil the water first. Okay? That is a health and safety announcement. (laughs) There's more than just spiritual wisdom here. But sometimes I say no to Coca-Cola. And my children don't need to understand why I'm saying it. They just need to understand that I am dad. I love them. I want what is best for them. I know more than they do. And so they say, yes, dad. Thank you, dad. For what they didn't want. So let me ask you a question. Jazzy, would you like to volunteer? I can see the terror. No, it's fine. (laughs) You can stay there. Becky, come to the front. Take the seat. I have two very short questions for you. I'm going to compare you and God. Okay? Are you ready? (laughs) Fear not. Okay. Between you and God, Becky, who knows more? God. Correct answer. One out of one. No, you can't go yet. Number two, between you and God, 
Who loves you more? God. Okay. Thank you. You did awesome. <laughs> Between you and God, who knows more? God. Between you and God, who loves you and cares for you and wants the best for you more? God. So if you know that about him, why will you not gladly obey him when he leads you where it is hard and painful? But the problem with us is we are trying to save our lives the whole time. We're trying to save ourselves the whole time. We're trying to save ourselves from shame or from guilt or from pain or from hardship or from suffering. And so we get up off the obedience table and we run to the save myself table. But we wouldn't do that if we knew who it is that is calling us to the obedience table. Exodus chapter 34, the Lord tells us a little bit about himself. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him, him as Moses, and he proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands of generations, forgiving sins and iniquity and transgressions, and who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. God himself told Moses, this is what I'm like. I am good and loving and gracious and compassionate. I have patience. I will forgive your sins. You think it's only the New Testament. God has always been the same. And so that's the God that we serve. A good God. And so the knowledge of God. The knowledge of what is He like. What does it mean to, to say God is love? Or God is good? Do you think God is good because what he does is morally right? No. What is morally right is morally right because it's like him. He is goodness. He is love. There is no one or nothing that could compare to the goodness and love and beauty and excellence and kindness and compassion and grace. He is. The Bible says that for all eternity, God will give us the greatest gift we could ever have, which is himself. There's nothing better he can give you. Amazing how quickly time goes, eh? There's definitely a couple of weeks in this. We haven't even started yet. I want to tell you what he's like. 
Because it's not just the character and the attributes of God that we need to know. We need to know what has God decreed. What does decreed mean? What has he ordered? What has he pronounced? What has he commanded? What has he ordained or directed or determined will happen as the king of the universe, which he is? I'll talk about that next week. Or might not be next week, but the next opportunity. That You know what I mean. But here's the thing. The knowledge is the foundation of your life that you are building. Some of us are building. You remember Jesus said, he who hears my words and does them is a man who builds his life on the rock. When the storms come, when the rain comes, it will be secure. We know that. But the problem is many of us are building our whole house on the foundation of a stone that size. Because we are ignorant of God. We don't know what he promises and what he doesn't promise. I'm going to give you a a last thing and then we're going to finish. But it's such an important thing. And we'll talk about it in detail next time. There are two ways that we can sin against God in terms of faith, in terms of our belief. The one way is to look at the obvious promises of God and not believe them. If you want to look at that, you look at Romans chapter 1 from verse 18. It says, God's anger is revealed from heaven against all the wickedness of men because they suppress the truth about God. The things that are obvious about him. And we'll talk about that. We'll we'll come to that. But there's a second way that we can miss the mark with our faith. And it's an easier way for us. And that is not that we don't believe the promises of God, but that we believe things which are not promises of God. We're still building on the sand. You say, but I believe. Well, that doesn't matter. You're wrong. The content of your faith is an error. It's false. It's wrong. That's why most of the New Testament letters are warning about false doctrine. It's not because we're worried about the church down the road. We're worried about the fact that what you know is the content, is the foundation of your faith, which determines ultimately everything. And so you need to get the knowledge part right so that you get the right promises to believe in and not the wrong ones. And it's so easy to do. Somebody shared this morning about, you know, you have to, you have to believe the prophecy you get. And in one sense, you should be encouraged by the prophecy that you get. But nowhere in the Bible does it say that God gives you everything that is prophesied over you. We cannot build our lives on prophecy. We can only build our lives on the Word of God. But there's so many people trusting, for example, 
that a husband or a wife that has left is going to come back. But the Bible doesn't promise that. But he says, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll be with you. And he, he doesn't promise once you get married, Austin and Jenna, life's going to be a bunch of roses. It's going to be amazing. No, he promises the opposite. I promise you life is going to be hard. I promise you you will face hardships. I don't know about you when you got married. When I got married, I thought my life is perfect. Until day two of honeymoon. It's the truth. And then I realized 21 years later, God gives you a husband or a wife that is going to require that you die. Why? 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 Why does he give you? I mean, my love language is, you know, words of affirmation and, and hugs. You know, physical affection. And my wife's love languages are quality time and acts of service. I, I mean, I married a taskmaster. For me to tell her that I love her, I have to wash the dishes or feed the cats or poop scoop the cat thing. Or That's not love. Actually, it is love. It is love. But it requires a sacrifice of me. God is so wise. Okay, I need to stop. We are not even a third of the way through the knowledge bit, I'm just saying. Okay? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord God, that we can know you and love you. Thank you that for your spirit who opens our eyes to the truth. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that we can follow you, that we can be led by you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you open our eyes where we couldn't even see on our own. We love you, Holy Spirit. We want to follow you, Holy Spirit. We want to follow you, Jesus. We want to overcome the sinful nature and the flesh. Lord, as we, as we hear your word, your word is life. Your word is power. It is the power of God unto salvation for all who hear it and believe.